Hey listeners, what's good? Today's episode is appropriately titled A Guide for Daughters in Automotive. This is a really good one. We feature Scotty Reese, who is a entrepreneur in the automotive space. And on the other side of the spectrum, we feature LG Bright, who is an educator in the automotive space. If you are a parent listening to this, or maybe you yourself are a daughter and you're looking for direction and guidance and mentorship, this is going to be a really good one for you too. So stay tuned to hear from Scotty Reese and LG Bright. Of course, would like to thank Wisco Weekly Partners, Comotion Miami, and Automotive Mastermind. Thank you both for your support of Wisco Weekly. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mubuhai, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly. Wisco Weekly is the automotive and mobility podcast exploring the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco. Alongside is my co-host, good friend, business lady, and sultry voice still, Miss Kelly Cruz. I don't think that's changed since our last recording. I've been I a little under the weather. Still got a sultry I'm, voice I'm there. not contagious, so I, we're all good there. But Well, Kelly, I'm very, very stoked to have our next two guests here. I think this is going to be a super interesting episode to really give closure, at least to us, on the Women in Automotive Conference. Uh, men, women, and children, please welcome to the show Miss Scotty Reese and Mr. L.G. Bright. Sir and ma'am, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So I thought one of the things is let's just kind of wrap up day one here, Scotty. Uh, share with us your thoughts as a board member, as someone who's been to this conference before. Give us your thoughts of how day one has concluded. So it's great. <laughs> just to put it in a word. You've got um, that sultry the, voice going on too. Well, thank you. <laughs> the, the, the ideas that we heard from the stage today really set up tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll be working on practices and strategies to build your career, to build your business, to build your personal brand. So we heard from a number of speakers today who talked about their experiences, who talked about how they were able to build their business, who gave us insights from a 30,000 foot corporate level and the the five inch personal level um, about where we're going, what the future holds for us, um, what challenges we're going to have to look at down the line as we're watching the economy uh, change a little bit, especially in automotive, it's actually changing quite a lot. Um, so thinking about those things, and then tomorrow we'll have a day with some presentations from the main stage, but then we'll also have a number of workshops where people can get one-on-one -on -one with the speakers who are here today, and then um, many other experts and practitioners and advisors so they can take the lessons from the stage today and put them to work. How would you rate this, this year's conference in its content in comparison to previous years? So we've been on a, a progression of growing our content. So we've had a number of speakers from the past 
who have either participated in a panel um, and have been growing their career to come back and take a, a position on the main stage. Um, we've had, we have a new board member here this year who brought a couple of speakers and uh, ran a panel and talked about the future. Um, we've had a number of people who have inspired us in the past coming back to um, bring their ideas and, and really talk about how their ideas have evolved. Women Automotive is um, very much a educational conference and a place where people can network and build their career, build their business. But it also is a community. And so we, um, as women on, in automotive on the board and women who are part of our tribe and part of our community, uh, it's not just what's on the stage, but it's also the opportunity to connect in person over dinner, over lunch, over cocktails, um, to bring ideas together, and to to build your tribe. I see that there is kind of two main uh, themes that go on that, that's going on at this conference. You you do have the empowerment of the community, and you do have the education. Mm-hmm. Um, in, from what I've seen so far in day one, it seems as if it's almost close down the middle, 50-50. Um, is that something though that was was that always the case before, or was was it more focused on the empowerment end or on the education end? And and I guess where would you like to see it go in down the road here? We've always been focused on education, okay. and workshops have always had a central role in women in automotive. In fact, this year I think we have fewer workshops than we did in the past because we don't have any workshops today. Um, in the past, we've had workshops every day on, of the conference. So we actually dialed back the, confer- the workshops a little bit this year, but it's also a shorter conference. Um, one of the things that we try to accomplish is to Uh, produce the conference in a place where people are able to attend, um, not only regionally, so having uh, being here in California now, and then we'll be in Florida in June, but also to stage the conference on days of the week where people have the opportunity to uh, come and do this. They can um, not have to take a day off of work, not have to... um, be able to uh, not have to step away from their families and other obligations, but that it fits into their lives. And we recognize that a lot of our a lot of the people who attend are here on their own. Um, it's unlike other conferences where the the boss says, "Hey, this is a a great opportunity for you to learn something and bring it back to us that we can implement." This is really more um, people who need this information, they need these lessons, they need this leadership outside of their work organization so that they can come back and make an impact inside their work organization. And a lot of their organizations don't um, recognize or not cognizant that this is something that they need to focus on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of days ago, I was at a dealership and I kind of extended the offer to them that, you know, if they were interested in, and one was a female, it was, she was the internet sales manager. Uh, I extended the offer if she would like to come out here and I would take care of her admission over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she kind of, you know, politely passed on it, uh, more so for the fact that she had a prior commitment. But uh, I, I do believe that there's, I don't know, I, it doesn't seem like at least uh, at the dealership level that there is enough of a commitment to um, growing and developing women in automotive. Right. And, you know, one of the things that um, 
we'll get to LG here that you talked about LG and, and I had the chance to meet her and that was Deja. I think that is her name. And she was kind of wandering the hallways here and she came up to us and introduced herself and told us that she flew out from New York to network and, and just, you know, try to get more involved and ingrained in this industry. You properly recognized her. Um, how often do you get to meet students and, you know, provide some kind of uh, influence and education to them like you did with uh, Deja? Well, well, for us, it's a, it's a, you know, every yearly type of event. I mean, the students at Northwood University have selected the university um, for a, for a four-year degree. They want to go into the automotive. Um, with Deja, it was, a, it was a little different in that here was a young lady that was being really relational. I, I happened to notice her, you know, talking to one of the industry thought leaders, and uh, that, that, that particular subject matter expert introduced her to me. And, and I could just see it in her eyes that she um, wanted to connect with this industry. I see it from people, you know, wishing to pursue a degree, and here was somebody that says, hey, I, I was searching for a book, and, um, you know, take the opportunity to connect with the women in automotive from an inspirational level. So it was just a compelling story and one that happened in real time mm. and gave, an, gave me an opportunity to just recognize that because I was truly inspired by it, thinking, you know, um, sometimes any industry, any job can get pretty routine. And yet here is somebody, it's, it's fresh, it's new. And it was just really in, 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 in the moment, it was very inspiring for me. You know, I don't want to put you so much on an elevator pitch, but follow me on this here. So what do you do with a millennial such as Deja, who she has worked in the automotive space, presuming that she she's probably going to continue to just pursue work as opposed to pursuing a formal education. How do you steer someone like that to, let's say, Northwood University? And, and, and mind you, this is not meant to be an ad for Northwood University. Okay, listeners, let me just be clear about that. But there's definitely value in the fact that I know in the car business, there's so many people that do forego college or they drop out of college and they continue to pursue their career in automotive and there's always a thought of, you know, doing more formal education, but they don't. So how do you, wh how, what do you say to someone like Deja, who maybe is in that situation? Well, the following comments are brought to you from Northwood University. <laughs> um, no, um, Deja wouldn't be, you know, somebody other than, you know, just um, connecting the dots with Northwood University. She already has her degree. She's getting certification in um collision-related uh, uh, work. She has a desire to be a, uh, a body shop manager and perhaps an owner. Um, she's, she's well on her way to pursuing her dreams. For most of the, for, for in, in our role at Northwood, it's really that high school student that is looking and, and, and comparing Northwood to, you know, a state school, um, is looking at marketing or management, but that student has an automotive focus. That that's really our student. We're a small university, and so it it, it is a a, a really concentrated um, um, program where I, I'm going to get to know the student. So I, I, I play 
um, the chair of the program, but I'm also their academic advisor. I work with them on their internships. I, I work with them in terms of cohort style education where they start their freshman year and, and, and uh, matriculate through their senior year. So Deja would probably be more of a candidate for uh, additional learnings that the industry provides through, you know, the wonderful, you know, sponsors of, of, of WIA such as NCM or NADA or ICAR or any of the, you know, the certification um, 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 folks within the industry. Well, Scotty, maybe to you then, if we are looking at a Deja persona, someone who wants to stay involved in the automotive space is taking the initiative to learn about the space, to network in the space. For someone who was, did you say she was 24? Yes. So for someone who's 24, what are some additional things you believe that someone like her could continue to do to further her career in automotive? The most powerful thing I think that she's doing is connecting with an organization like Northwood. And the reason is that most women, young women and and women who are established in their careers, um, and then also kind of go, trickling down to even the little girl stage, um, and we talked about this in some of the presentations today, don't feel comfortable or confident in a STEM space. They, part of it is a cultural bias. We tend to put girls in the, you know, be pretty... Um, be nurturing type of role mm -hmm. and that's really not automotive <laughs> automotive right. is it's more around the edges um, it is a little edgier and it's also you're talking about working with metal and math and things that are not that women and girls really are not groomed for so c aligning with a, a learning opportunity that's going to give you the uh, foundation and the confidence, and confidence is a huge part of it, is really key. So if it's not an organization like Northwood, um, perhaps it's finding that space in your college. Maybe it's some industrial design, or perhaps it's math, or perhaps it's physics or engineering where you excel and you feel comfortable. And honestly, once you've, another speaker today said, do your homework. Once you've done your homework, once you've learned the topic, you have confidence. And so you're not going to feel like a fish out of water going in and applying for that job. You will look at those people who are looking at you and thinking, why does she want to work in this job? And you know what they're thinking and how to answer that. Um, outside of that, following your passion is really important, finding your mentors and finding your tribe. And these days, finding your tribe is easier than ever. Facebook, you just go in and plug in um, search words that, of topics that interest you and you will find your tribe. It's literally that easy. Um, from there, finding people who will help offer you advice in building your career. Um, how do I answer this question on an application? Um, does anyone have advice on where I would go to find this job? Um, I'm looking at an opportunity in a place like Cleveland. What is it like to live there? You know, answering those kinds of questions to, or throwing those kinds of questions out to gain answers um, so that you feel that you're, you're, you're not going into something completely blind, but that you have confidence. 
Yeah, Scotty, I think you hit on a couple points that I've heard a lot uh, at today's conference, and those were mentorship and confidence. And, um, you know, education is so important, but you can always get an education, and, and most people have the ability to learn, but it's those soft skills that are tough. And so I think when you already have the confidence, like a, a Deja, or when you can work with someone else to help instill confidence in you, mm-hmm. then the, the rest can be kind of backfilled or, or taught by people. Um, and, and then mentorship, the other one, when you, you talk about asking other people for help or just seeking out and asking those questions uh, mm-hmm. is, is so important. There is nothing like a great education to put wind under your wings. And on it, I mean, you know LG, um, and I think a lot of people, especially when they're still trying to figure out what they want to do, um, don't think about the education part of it. They think about the decision and the long-term part of it. And it, getting that education is so incredibly powerful because even if it's a topic you don't love, I mean, think about how many people go to law school and then don't become lawyers. But what they do become is they become confident, they become, they learn how to learn, they learn how to convince, they learn how to lead. And so those are such key skills. And so you may think, oh, well, the opportunity that's open to me is engineering and I don't really want to study engineering, but I do want to be in automotive. Maybe you should really think about that because you don't have to be an engineer. There are a lot of CMOs, chief marketing officers in automotive, who have engineering degrees. So you both have kids. And so I'm kind of curious then, given that their parents work in the automotive space and well, given that you guys work in the automotive space, what do your kids, how do your kids view the automotive industry? Do you want to take that? Sure. I, I mean, my how daughters. How old are kids are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, my daughters are, are grown. Okay. I mean, 20s okay. and 30s. Okay. And, and they um, are not in automotive. I think they've um, seen my career and, you know, didn't want to live it uh, vicariously through their own careers. They wanted to make their own mark in the world. And and that was okay. And and, and we encourage that from day one, you know, find your passion and, um, and, and pursue that. So well, that, that, that's, that's perfect. Can you, can you maybe tell us a little bit more? What was it about the things going on in your automotive career that perhaps was not of interest to them? I, I think one of, the, one of the presentations, and it was it was soon after um, um, soon after mine, talked about uh, work life balance. It, it was when uh, Christy Roman was up there, and one of the things that automotive has struggled with um, over the years has been true retail hours. And so anybody that's in the business understands that. I mean, it, it is almost. 24/7 not quite hotel not quite grocery store not quite Christmas retail but <laughs> close and I think um, that is important consideration and so old school thinking would be well if you can't cut it then you just can't cut it new school thinking is pursue your passion find um, what jazzes you in your 24 hours and and monetize it and you know someone who is working with animals somebody who is working with uh um um 
special needs children. Um, all of these things are valuable. And if that jazzes somebody, who is someone else to say, um, you know, that you're not some automotive <laughs> entrepreneur, you know, um, selling cars and trucks and you haven't made it. And so I wanted them to be happy in, in what they were doing. One of my daughters is in uh, human resources. Uh, one of them is uh, pursuing a career in the entertainment industry uh, as a makeup artist. And uh, one of them is doing agency work, um, just not automotive. That's uh, agency work with uh, colleges and, and doing um, on-site activation. So, um, and, and they're, they're, they're young. They're happy. Um, it supports their lifestyle, and and um, and I couldn't be prouder. And I can attest to the long hours, the bell to bell hours, and not even it, not even if it's just a matter of you being on the clock for your dealership. Then it's also being on the clock for your customer, and that never sleeps. You know, I've had plenty of days off where I've had many customers contact or text me and say they would like to come in and buy a car. And it's like when you, when the pay plan of a dealership is commission based, you, you have no days off. And so I can see that being a grind, but you know, Scotty to you though, you're an entrepreneur. Isn't the grind always on anyway? So I think the um, the curse of the entrepreneur is that your brain never turns off. Right, so right. So you're constant, and you can't help it. So you try to take a day off, but it's hard. Um, but we're going back to talking about our kids, um, so my daughters are 17 and 20. Okay. And, the, and automotive is relatively new to me. Um, and I've done other things in my career, and I've always believed as a parent that our kids need to see us at work, and they need to see us loving what we do and enjoying it. And they, if they only hear the things that you complain about at night over dinner, they're never going to want to do any. They they might not even really want to work. <laughs> they might want to say that doesn't that really didn't look like fun. So I don't want to do that. Um, so I, I've always felt passionately that your kids need to see you at work. Um, so before I was in automotive, I had I worked for a grocery company and I would bring them with me to work occasionally so they could see what I was doing um, and and other things. So but with automotive, it has been very much a lens through which they see themselves as working adults. So my older daughter um, goes to college in Alabama and I have been um, had the pleasure of dragging her through more than one manufacturing plant. <laughs> and then she said, can I go do a uh, tour a plant and write a story about it? And we said, absolutely. So she's written for us a few times and will write for us a few more times. My younger daughter, I insisted that she come with me to a presentation that was done by the marketing and communications department at one of the manufacturers. And her uh, response at the end of that was, I want to go into marketing. And it really, as her, it was uh, going into her senior year of high school, and it changed her opinion of what she wanted to pursue in college. So that was, um, that was a tremendous thing. It's not that she wants to be an automotive, but she appreciates what automotive is and what we do and the many varied pieces of it. It's not just about cars. It's not just about sheet metal. It really is about the whole of our lives and what we do as, as intelligent, rounded, human people. 
and what we deliver to our customers, what we deliver, what I deliver to my readers, um, what manufacturers deliver to drivers, and then looking down the road where automotive will fit into our lives as not just cars, but mobility and making so many things in our lives possible. I think it's very interesting the that you both kind of play this holistic um, role in contributing to women in automotive. On your NLG, you actually get to take students and really build upon and create this passion for them to pursue it. You, Scotty, you take your passion, your the technical skills of writing, and then you apply it to automotive. So it just kind of goes to show you that there's not this one particular way to get in there. But I guess one of the things that, Kelly, as you kind of hinted at earlier, that we get to hear a lot at this conference are perhaps the consistencies of what it takes to be an automotive, mm-hmm. finding a mentor, finding a tribe. Although I'm going to I'm going to ask a, perhaps a little bit more of a controversial question. Maybe it's not controversial. Is there such is, is there a glass ceiling still in automotive? Well, Scott, uh, there yeah. is. Yeah, there is, I think, in pretty much every business, there's a glass ceiling. And I think we've thought about the glass ceiling as a limitation for women. And I think it really is a limitation for everybody who wants to rise into that C-suite and who is limited by something outside of their control. So absolutely, there's even though we have Mary Barra in the, the, mm-hmm. in the chairman's office at General Motors, and there are a couple of other women who lead at the highest level in their organizations, um, I think that there still are clubs that, and I call them, I use the word, the, the, the term very loosely, but there are communities just, essentially any any sort of community. Well, you know, I mean, we call, we've always called it like the old boys club mm-hmm. um, of these people who are leaders, and they they want to groom and promote people who are like them because I think that's where they identify the thinking most strongly, or where they have the most faith. They do feel like they're charged with. Um, the future of their organization. And so they want to find someone who's going to step into their shoes and run it, who is going to do what they already do. And so it naturally would be someone who looks and thinks like them, right? Um, So I think it's hard for leaders to really think outside of that outside of that framework that's very comfortable to them and and probably what they've been taught. So yeah, the glass ceiling is definitely there. How do we break it? That's the question. How do we offer these opportunities to more and more people from a variety of backgrounds, not just women, but people from you know a variety of cultural backgrounds, of lifestyle backgrounds, um, and bring in those ideas? So there are um, a number of companies that are really good at that. I do feel like General Motors is really good at that. I mean, they're getting pretty close to an all-female C-suite. Um, mm. It's it's the balance. It's more women than it is men now at a high level, isn't it? Do you think that's true? I think that's true. Yeah. So, yes. um, so I think we're getting there. Um, there are a number of organizations that do continue to promote more and more women. Um, Ford is another one that has more and more women rising up through the ranks of the organization. There are organizations that are actively thinking about how they bring women up into the, uh, you know, into the management ladder. I know Hyundai is one that has some very 
um, definitive programs. Aston Martin, surprisingly, you know, very small company, um, but the North American CEO is a woman mm-hmm. named Laura Schwab, and she is um, really redefining the brand in a very, very modern way um, in terms of not only who she is and how she leads the company, but who she's brought in to run different areas of the company. Mercedes-Benz is another one. So not at the chairman level, not at the president level or CEO level yet, but I think it's, I think it's, we're on the cusp of that. I, I, I agree. I, I also believe that we have to to look at how life happens and and what metrics we use to define success. I think that, you know, for somebody that wants to be a Mary Barra, that you can you can look at um, her career, the articles are out there, you have the opportunity to to connect through different social networks, to to to, to, to see her interviews. But at the end of the day, your, your, your life's your own. And as everything happens, you know, relationship-wise, children-wise or not, um, different serendipity around every corner as you, as you turn opportunities, people exist in their own context. And as we move forward in all the different disruptions and changes in automotive, you know, that man or woman may have started out saying, hey, I'm looking for the C-suite, the glass ceiling. I'm going to be the one to break it. And yet, you know, 15 years or 20 years into their career, hey, you know what? I really like this portion of uh, my career path. I really uh, Mm -hmm. enjoy this part of my life that's relational. I enjoy uh, the, the, the recreation, the travel. And everything is a balancing act. And so um, I think, you know, the glass ceiling is there to, to, to be broken. But I, I think people's, um, people's interest, their uh, commitment level change throughout a 40-year career. Now, if you start at 22 and at 52, you're, you're still as committed and the opportunities are there. Um, you know, you just may go through that glass ceiling, but it gets narrow and narrow. The funnel funnel gets narrower and narrower because you know you're competing against a lot of of people that that want that same one job <laughs> that's in the corner of whatever floor of of whatever you know OEM or supplier or finance company. So um, I, I agree with Scotty, but I, I I also look at people as individuals and and everybody you know. I don't think somebody who is a mid-level manager that gets 40 years in, they may say, you know what, this is a great life. Uh, I just watched, and I'll just say this really quickly, and not to change topics, but uh, just watch a Garth Brooks special. I love and, Garth Brooks. And Garth Brooks <laughs> gave up his career to, to, to raise his children. Uh, relationships happen to him, you know, through a divorce and everything. And I mean, his story is out there for, for people to look at. But, but my wife and I looked at each other and said, amazing that this guy is at the top of his game and says, you know, in, in my life, this is the way it's got to be. And, and you know, I think each of us kind of measure our life in, in, you know, whatever degrees make sense to us. You know what I love about you two? You guys are like 
painting the strongest argument from both sides. You know, again, you have it from the educator side. I mean, that's definitely the educator in you that's talking, LG, and I can hear it all throughout. And on you, Sky, like, again, you're just like, look, women's rights, women's empowerment, and let's 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 all do this. And I love that you kind of you need that that balance. Well, the um, I will tell you where the passion stems from on my side. And that is looking at the imbalance in the statistics. Women buy or purchase or influence the purchase of 85% of all cars, $500 billion a year in automotive sales. And yet they only hold 17% of the jobs. So there's a there's a huge, there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. It's not even just an imbalance. That's not really a fair way of putting it. It's a disconnect. And women are, are charged with spending $500 billion and they like it so little they appreciate it so little that they only hold 17% of the jobs. There are a lot of industries where that would not be possible. Fashion and, and cosmetics yeah. are the two that come to mind. If it wasn't for women who are driving those industries, they would be it, it would still be you know 1955 where you know the men are still trying to figure out why a particular shade of red sells so well in nail polish and then they all just want to make that one red they don't want to have the fun and the creativity and um, I mean if you look at where are these these industries that serve women really well how they grow and how robust they are automotive has the opportunity to be that and women have the opportunity to influence that not only from the manufacturer or from the business side, but also from the consumer side. So I, I look at that and that is what makes me really excited. Well, oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, I feel like you say things, Scotty, and then I'm like, I, that was like in my head. You just <laughs> said it so well, but I feel like we've just, the the tools and the knowledge that is there and the, the data around, like you said, uh, what women look for in buying cars and what would maybe encourage them more is to know that they're shopping or looking for a car with someone who understands their needs and understands them and has more of kind of an emotional, you know, a- aspect to the car buying process uh-huh. would, you know, women empower women. So it's like you would think that dealerships would look at that and say, well, why don't we bring in women to get more women? But and it's they, kind of a and circular. And dealerships, by the way, would love to hire more women, but women come into a dealership, they take a job that probably doesn't fit their ideal of what a good job is, mm-hmm. and it's not the money. I mean, we talked about this today, the millennial uh, millennial value system, and that really is where so many of the work, so many people in the workforce are millennials now. Their value system is not necessarily money-based. It is that money is one of the important factors, but it's not the important factor. So they they it's they get talked into these jobs, and they're thirty days into it, and they're unhappy. And then there aren't support mechanisms. There are not. There's not the person in the dealership who's charged with making sure she has a successful time here. That just doesn't happen. It's they're they're pressured from the top down, and it's a very old school system. So women end up leaving, and and it's not it ends up not being something that they wanted. And then because they leave, this way that business is done never changes because the the most important person in this, the one that they want to keep there, the women as salespeople. They can't keep, and they don't know how to keep them. So when they do keep them, women are very, very successful. But often, 
they're very successful because they're just tenacious and they do what it takes. It's not because they do things the way they would do them. So to give you an example, when I walk into, and you, any of you walk into a Nordstrom shoe department. Never now, been there before. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and no matter who, you, it's mostly men, by the way, who sell shoes in the Nordstrom shoe department. Um, and Neiman Marcus and most of the, I mean, any shoe department, it's generally more men than women who work there. And they get excited and they see you're looking at red shoes and they want to show you every red shoe. And they're not talking about price and they're not talking about warranty and they're not talking about a deal. They want to show you every red shoe and they come at this with passion and they know where everything is. They're very knowledgeable. They know about the shoe. They know where it is on the shelf in the back so they can get it really quickly. They know if you're somewhere between an eight and an eight and a half, they know which side you're going to err on in this shoe that they're looking at, that they're showing you that maybe you didn't even see. So they might bring it out and say, well, you know, this one runs small, so I brought you an eight and a half. Well, well, very why, common. Why is but it? they don't do that in automotive. So you've painted this picture of male salesmen mm -hmm. that more or less go above and beyond or really want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. I presume, are, are you, would you also be suggesting the opposite in that, for instance, women in automotive or women who sell shoes, they don't get to that level of detail and care as men do then? I think, well, I, my point with the, so many men working in shoe sales is that Men can sell to women very effectively, mm -hmm. but in automotive, they don't. Mm. That's the point. Mm. Um, but I think the, also the point of passion and what passion they bring to selling shoes is something is a passion that they don't bring. They bring it in an enthusiast way when they're talking to male customers, but they haven't figured out how to translate that same passion to something that women would appreciate. So if you walk in, so Cheryl Connolly, who was uh, one of our speakers today, said men come into the showroom and they want to hear the torque and horsepower in zero to 60. And women, want they want the narrative, they want the story, they want the, story, they right. want the solution. What is, how does this solve problems in my life? And, the, and I think you can tell those stories equally as passionately, but it's a different story. It's a different story for your male customers versus your female customers. So I think women have an opportunity to impact this business that way, not necessarily taking those sales jobs, but maybe it's taking those sales training jobs, or maybe it's taking the marketing job, or maybe it's taking the engineering job where we're engineering those solutions and we're engineering with a narrative as opposed to engineering for zero to 60. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're engineering for this is a car for the rest of your life and that becomes the narrative. Like I get to drive this car for the next 20 years and feel great about it because my brand is going to support me and they're going to update and they're going to, you know, I mean, think about it. If you could buy a computer and not have to buy another one for 20 years, that would get your attention, right? And that would get my attention with a car. I don't know. Too. I'm a gadgets guy. Oh. I just for some reason, I like have to have gadgets. If I didn't have to buy another one for 20 years, I would be no, very certainly. happy. Well, I think it, you know the same can be said for buying cars. If 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 customers knew that 
you know, every time it was going to be a painful experience, they would say, look, let me just buy one car and I will keep it the rest of my life. But obviously mm -hmm. things change. I keep putting myself through the painful experience yes, over do. and over. I'm a habitual leaser and I'm probably on lease number eight, ten, nine, yeah, yeah, 10 of my life. So. Well, so I'm curious, LG, I'm going to put you a bit on the hot seat here because Scotty's painting out some of the industry problems. You're at a university where you're supposed to solve these problems. <laughs> As the department chair, give us a glimpse into the Northwood University automotive program that perhaps addresses some of these issues. Well, well, for one, we agree with Scotty. I mean, Scotty is a, a thought leader that we respect. I mean, we're inspired by. I mean, I'm, I'm here um, for not only Scotty, but I mean, the, the rest of the women in automotive mission, but but here's the rub on that. We we educate who we get, and we have to do a better job of, of telling our story, telling the opportunities that are available in automotive, but by the same token, the industry itself has to say that these opportunities are, are, are available. The dealers, the entrepreneurs have to tell that story and say, um, you know, here is who influences sales. Here is the way that we have um, been um, taking care of that that particular consumer journey, and here's the way we're going to do it going forward. I mean, it's that meaning that meaningful to us. And if it isn't, it, it'll never be intentional. Um, we uh, talk about. Demographics. We talk about uh, gender-based um, subjects. We try to, you know, step right into it. But I, but I, I'm talking to a room of males. I am not talking to, you know, a room of females. In fact, at the university, and and you know, we have wonderful support from women in automotive, General Motors Re Women's Retail Network, WAAI. I mean, I'm, there's just a number of organizations that try to get the word out and through scholarships, you know, make it uh, available, you know, for, for, for women to pursue education. Um, we just all have to do a better job of telling the story. Because if I went into a big state school right now, went into an 800-room lecture hall, and said and, and started telling the retail automotive story, most people would start giving me the side eye, you know, looking at it and be sideways, uh, you know, that because it, it, it isn't on their, you know, career choice. And I think Scotty started her answer with, um, you know, when, when, when people look at that as a job, the money's there. Um, um, there's certainly, you know, training um, available, uh, you know, wonderful products. But it's hard to speak for someone else to say that this is going to be your career path. Um, um, I think it's a, I think we're all on a discovery, you know, a path of discovery, and, and it's getting better. But we, uh, I heard somebody um, stout um, some statistics today and talk about uh, you know 13 percent. Well, we're we're probably we are ten percent. I mean, I'm I'm ten percent of the university population. We're a small university, two thousand students, two hundred in the automotive, and I have twenty two females. So huh. that's that's where I'm at. No, I feel like there's like it's like this mindset shift. Where, as I was listening today, we need to acknowledge the issue that exists of of kind of women in the industry, but it also 
there's a sense of like, okay, well, women weren't built for this. Women don't have a mind towards these, you know, kind of the automotive industry for these reasons. And it's almost like we're saying to everyone, it's really tough, but come on in. Like, you know, we're trying to encourage you, but you're kind of setting it up uh, with a little bit of based on history and education and how we raise, you know, girls versus boys, like women just weren't meant for this industry, but we're going to make our way in. And so it's a little bit hard to kind of rope people in when they have that little bit of a, a negative mindset, like there's already a barrier. But again, you still have to acknowledge the the problem. So it's like getting and, over that hurdle. And once there's a shift, then I think there'll be it'll be more enticing for people to to feel like it's more inviting. Well, I think looking at the opportunities that are there in automotive. So as LG said, the money's there, um, and I think there are a lot of people, men and women, but I think a lot of women especially who recognize that they can be paid very well for whatever job it is that they pursue in automotive. And in fact, there are quite a few women who I've, in, I've interviewed who are in engineering and product design and product manufacturing, product planning, and um, you know on that side, and who finished their degree, off, very often either engineering or math, and then um, looked at a variety of jobs and ended up choosing automotive versus like General Mills or um, a lot of it was consumer packaged goods. And they uh, ended up choosing automotive because they liked the people, they liked the culture, not because they were car geeks, not because they were enthusiasts, not because they're gearheads, but because they saw that it was a really good opportunity to have a great life and a great career. So I think um, finding people who can see that with that sort of neutrality and especially and I but I think it in in regards to women women need to see other women in these jobs and there was a speaker who today said if you can see her you can be her or something along those lines and so I, I, I truly think that women to be, need to be able to see that this is a great opportunity for whatever it is that you're passionate about. You don't have to be passionate about cars. You can be passionate about design. You can be passionate about marketing. You can be passionate about color. You can be passionate about you know, whatever it is. All of those things exist in automotive um, sales. I mean, you know, if it's just, I just love to sell. Automotive is a great place to do that. But you have to find the right fit. You've got to find the right organization to work for. And so that might, and in any industry, it's true that you will kiss a few frogs before <laughs> you find your prince. <laughs> and it's true, it can be true in any kind of retail, any kind of corporate environment, whether you're, you know, just, you got your degree and I don't know, it, you want a lawyer or uh -huh. whatever. It can people people go through a lot of false starts. So I think we have to recognize that you you have to find the place where you're going to be happy. And I think finding women who are already in there that make women comfortable makes them a little more likely to think, oh, I could do that. Well said. Well, thank you. Hmm. Um, well, Scotty, how can people get in touch with you? How can people follow you? So uh, you can follow us on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to a girl's guide to cars .com. And give That's us, a, I'm site. sorry, give us a quick um, uh, a pitch of uh, a girl's guide to cars. Sure. So we present cars on women's terms. We uh, represent, we are the largest automotive content site for women. 
women or anybody, about 65% of our readers are women and 35% are men. Um, we review cars and we write about car maintenance information purely from the, the consumer's perspective and purely as new car buyers and people who really are looking for that turnkey um, answer or solution. We are not an enthusiast site. We are not for people who love cars. We're for people who need to know to make the right decision. Our mission is to empower women to be smarter, happier car owners by giving them cars on their terms. So women I, need to know cup holders. Do you do cup holders? We do cup holders, but you know, USB ports are the new cup holders. Oh, Kelly, did oh. you know that? So I'm a cup holder enthusiast only because that's like she's one of my She's a cup holder enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, I know, she's right? a cup holder enthusiast. Well, we could have a whole nother episode just as a quick side yeah. note on Costco auto buying because I read your, I read your oh, blog on that. About I have that. A, yeah. a lot of feelings and I've been through the experience personally. And then your, uh, your story on SUVs with three rows, which was basically my main factor in my last car buying experience. So uh-huh. you're, you're hitting all the right topics. So, <laughs> LG, how can people follow you, sir? You can follow me at uh, brighte at northwood.edu or blogs.nuias. Uh, and that stands for Northwood University International Auto Show. And that will bring up what the uh, students do every year around the world's largest, completely student-run auto show. Is Does that tie in then with the North American Auto Show then? No. Does it precede it or anything at all? It does not. Uh, the only um, tie-in is that with the Detroit Auto Show, and of course it's moving this year, right. a lot of the um, um, directors of that show, being that the Detroit Auto Dealers put that on, are also uh, VIPs or keynote speakers for us. Hmm. So, for instance, when uh, Ryan LaFontaine ran it uh, two years ago, um, uh, Ryan's uh, family members are also members of the uh, NUIAS, the Northwood University International Auto Show. And so there was a a natural tie there. The students uh, work internships. Um, and uh, get a chance to see the Detroit auto dealers up close. And uh, I think they take a lot of that learning back to the university, but that's the only tie-in. We work with the manufacturers, we work with the dealers, we work with the uh, suppliers, and uh, we'll bring 60,000 people out on a a weekend. It's a a free show, and uh, we'll have uh, 600 vehicles, we'll have 80 manufacturers, and... uh, uh, we'll have about a third of the campus involved. Wow, that's phenomenal. Well, Scotty, LG, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, thank you being you. on the Wonderful show. Thank you. Listeners, as we in every episode, cheers. Prost, lachaim, kipis, nastravi, salud, kampai, mabruk, tutsins, gambe, yamas, nastarovia, vo to the customer experience. <laughs>